Well, if you just listen to that open, you are in for a big <laughs> shock right here. I'm leaving. Get, I'm not wait, supposed to be here. We <laughs> have none of those people. That was yesterday's <laughs> introduction. You know, I'm going to blame Blooper, who isn't even here. That's what happens well, when Blooper takes a little right. vacation. Well, totally his fault. Actually, he was sitting there one day saying that he wanted to make sure he got all the openings right. So he's already 0 for 1. All right. So uh, now the disappointing news. I'm Ben Higgins, nowhere nearly as lovely as Annie Heilbrunn. Uh, this is Bill Center, definitely not Randy Jones, and you are most certainly not Chris Ello, Bob Scanlon, but good to have you both on the couch today for Padres Social Hey, great Hour. to be here to be talking some ball with you, Ben. That's oh. okay. The other crew, you know, they'll have their, their time. They'll be back. They're I think, gone. I yeah. think we're going to survive and move on from this uh, unfortunate blooper-related incident. Hey, Rush so Starper will battle through it, we, right? we are going to do so, just as the Padres keep on battling through this season and have swept the Giants for a second time in the second half of the season. I am... I don't know why this makes me so kind of giddy, but to lose nine straight to a team in the first half of the season and then come back, win six in a row, and still have a chance to win the season series if you can somehow sweep four games at Petco Park next week, to me, that's kind of mind-boggling. Couldn't happen to a nicer group of guys. <laughs> I, the Giants right now, to me, they look, I mean, that's, you've got Crawford in a slump, Posey in a slump, Pence in a slump and panic in a slump. Yeah, no, it's stunning. And, and you're right, Ben. I'm with you in terms of you get swept as badly as the Padres oh, did early in the season. Right. And that hurt because it was the start right. of the season, right? And you're trying to establish yourself to be able to get some revenge at this point. And granted, the Padres, they're not going for a playoff spot. But still, they're getting a chance to ruin the Giants' season. Right. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Well, that remember the Giants had the, first, the best record in baseball in the first half of the right. season. Yep. A lot of that was thanks to the Padres. Yeah, no and doubt. And now they've got the worst record in the second half. And some of that's thanks to the Padres. It's incredible. And, y and you mentioned the guys that are falling off for the Giants right now, Bill. And it's still stunning to me also, Ben. It's gotten to the point over there where Bruce Bochy is actually starting to get second-guessed on some of his moves. Right. And that never happens, oh, there es especially when, when it comes to bullpen moves. He, he is one of the best managers of a rotation in a bullpen that I've ever been around and, and had a chance to, to, to watch work, and yet he's even questioning himself at times about how to get this thing straight. There are a couple tweets yesterday that got retweeted calling for his job. Oh, that's, so now that's getting a little <laughs> right, absurd, right? right? But, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, that's I, I, uh, Henry Schulman, the San Francisco writer, actually sent out, sent out a couple retweets, and they were calling for his job. It's like, people. Yeah, you know, no, they, they've completely hey, fallen apart. But that's Giants fans. Well, it's, it's everybody's in, fans, yeah, well right? Not. No, I, I, no, I tend to put Giants fans in a special certain group by themselves. Well, you get a little spoiled after three World Series titles. Expectations. Yeah, you also become obnoxious. Up. Well, that's true too. <laughs> no, but they've always been very intense. And I remember as a player, people would ask me. Bob, what are the worst fans to play in front of? And everybody would just assume it was going to be New York, right? I mean, they're very vocal, no question about it. But actually, the most physically terrifying fans were the Giants fans, not only because they were verbally abusive to you, but also physically in terms of I had more stuff thrown at me on the field. It was almost like playing a winter ball game. Now, granted, that was at the old Candlestick Park, right. and that was the reason that they put chicken wire up around the bullpen so that guys in the bullpen wouldn't get hit by flying batteries and chunks of ice. The, the new ballpark is beautiful. Giant fan has a lot to be uh, proud of and excited about, but you ask any of the coaches over there, and they tell you it is intense. The moment that you join that organization, there is an expectation, even more so now, as you mentioned, Ben, after winning three World Series. All right, tangent number one. Uh, we haven't even started talking about yesterday's game yet, and we will do so. And if you want to contribute, go ahead. Use the hashtag PadresSH. We'll read some tweets as we go along, take questions and comments, and we will talk about yesterday's win because I thought 
It was just one of those very impressively, crisply played games for late in the season when you beat an ace like Madison Bumgarner. But you mentioned Candlestick Park, and I, I, you, know, you kind of forget about how difficult it was to play at Candlestick Park. You were on there. The winds would swirl. I mean, even in summer, it would get down to, you know, 50 degrees at night, the, the ball blowing. I, I've heard horror stories about how difficult it was, especially for visiting teams, to go in and play there. Oh, it was unbelievably difficult. My first time going there, I was with the Cubs. It's June. We're packing up to go on the road trip, and our clubhouse guy, Yosh Kawano, is packing all of the heavy jackets and mittens that we use at the beginning of the right. season, right? In because June. it's in June when you need it, when it's 18 degrees and below zero. I'm like, Yosh, we're, this is a West Coast trip. We're going to LA, San Francisco, and, you know, why are we packing in San Diego? Why are we packing? You've never been to San Francisco in the summer, have you, Scan? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> sure enough, we get there, and as you said, Ben, it is freezing cold. The wind is gusting. There's dirt devils on the infield, and, and, wrappers flying around, right. peanut wrappers and hot dog wrappers all over the place. I actually pitched well there, and I think part of the reason was because I had all these distractions going on behind me as the hitters And the it box. blew your pitch into the... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It blew it in the right direction, and they had uh, hot dog wrappers flying in the background as well. So it was an interesting place. I got one uh, years ago. I'm covering the season opening series in San Francisco, and after the game in the press box, they put those the glass panels down. Or I, actually, they were there all, all the time. Yeah. And I'm typing away, writing my story, and all of a sudden, water hits the uh, windows. <laughs> and I look out, and I'm trying to think, where did that come from? And they're spraying. They're, you know, they got the water thing on in the infield, yeah. and the wind had picked it up and thrown it against Threw the Threw it 150 feet right, up there, huh? Right. Jeez. I think uh, the famous Mark Twain quote is, the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and then we would come back in September, and it would be beautiful. <laughs> it was right. perfect. Well, you have never – Yeah. You had no idea what the weather would be any given day. No, it was crazy. Now, AT&T Park doesn't have quite the same issues that uh, Candlestick Park did, and it's, a, it's certainly a beautiful place, uh, one of my favorites along with Petco Park in baseball. But, okay, tangent aside, let's talk about yesterday's game. I think the Giants fans had to at least think, okay, somehow we lost those first two games to the Padres. Uh, Ryan Schimpf got us in the ninth inning. That was crazy. But we're okay. We've got Madison Bumgarner on the mound in the finale. We're not going to get swept. And I think there's sometimes a tendency for a team, especially that's out of it, like the Padres, hey, we, we already won the series. You're going up against the ace. We're fine. We'll take two out of three. So to see them come up yesterday with a performance, you have to be at your best to beat a guy like Madison Bumgarner. That was impressive to me. It was. But at the same time, Giants aren't swinging bats. I mean, they're not getting runs, and if you don't get runs, you're not going to win, no matter who's pitching. Giants aren't swinging bats, and Bumgarner's not Bumgarner right now. When you right. look back at his last four or five outings, he's sporting a 4.15 average, so he's not the same guy. And it was interesting watching him yesterday because what he does so well when he's going good is he's able to get the ball inside to the right-hand batters. He's able to get to that glove side of the plate. He did not do that very effectively yesterday at all. Right. And not only did he not get the normal outs that he gets by jamming guys and getting off the end of the bats of the lefties, but it allowed the Padres to look out over. And you look at a lot of the hits that he gave up. They were on pitches away, and I think the Padres just didn't have to worry about that inside fastball as much because he wasn't able to execute. I totally agree. Uh, and you could see Buster Posey would be set up at times and, and that would not be there. Yeah. Really strange. And his last start down, I mean, when Rosales got him earlier, I mean – uh, not yesterday, but the previous time. That was a horrible pitch from yeah. Bumgarner. No, he's it's, made a lot of mistakes. It's not like he's the same guy right now. And, and it's really not the same lineup. And I think some of it, all, I mean, 
look, Angel Pagan is not the same guy that no. he used to be. And he was, he was a big part of that offense early on, the, the years that they won the championship. He is a shadow of the, of the player that he used to be. Pence looks very hurt. He's still playing hurt. Right. He's back, but he's been hurt all right. season long. I agree with you, Bill. He's not 100%. So you've got two big pieces of that lineup right now. And Buster Posey, look, it, it takes a toll catching at the end of the season. Right. And uh, I think maybe the magic is, has finally left the Giants on an even year. That's the uh, Alex Dickerson go-ahead RBI single in the top of the sixth inning. Uh, but the game may have turned just moments before that uh, with two outs and Luis Sardinius at first base. He tries to steal second. He is thrown out, at least on the initial ruling. The Giants, you know, start to walk off the field. Andy Green challenges the call, and on replay, it's pretty clear that he's safe. The inning goes on, and the Padres end up scoring. I, this illustrates to me, I know there's a lot of complaints about replay. It takes too long. Uh, you know, we need to fix it. But to me, this is the reason why it has to stay. It absolutely has to stay because you want to get calls like this right that end up influencing and deciding, you know, close games like this. Just get rid of umpires. Go straight to this. <laughs> I, I know you're not serious, Bill. Right. Okay. I know you're not serious right there. The umpires Tell me in you're the not. series were right. – they had a rough series. I think they, this was they like had the a really fourth or fifth right. they really reversal had a in a three-game series. series. Look, it, was, it was a tough I, one. I have a tough time looking at something like that and because, look, it helped out our team win. It becomes intellectually disingenuous to say, I'm all for replay. It helped our team right there. Isn't this the greatest thing since sliced bread? I, there has been a change, though, in replay in baseball the last I, – I don't know why – but the replay calls over the last part of the season have taken uh, been much shorter than they were earlier in this year. You're not getting the three- and four-minute delays that you had earlier in the year, uh, which I don't know why that is, but I like it. Yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm jaded, I admit it. I am fundamentally against it only right. because I never needed it in the first place. I never really felt like it affected my enjoyment of the game, either as a player, now yeah. as a fan, yeah. or a broadcaster. I I felt like that was always part of it. For me, baseball has always symbolized and, and exemplified life more than any other sport. Sometimes you get the call, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you execute and things go your way, sometimes you do and it doesn't go your way. That's just part of it. So for me, it doesn't add anything to my enjoyment of the game. All it does is slow things down. And, I mean, that's great. I'm, I'm glad the Padres got the call yesterday. I'm glad it helped them win a baseball game. That's wonderful. But I fundamentally don't need it, except on the home run play. I think I enjoy it for that because there's a reason to have it with all the signage right. and everything that's out there. But the rest of it, I'm sorry. I, I just I don't need it. You know, I think one thing replay has done is I don't think the umpires are quite as have to be quite as sharp as they used to be because they know a lot of close calls are going to be challenged. Well, I disagree, though. I, I think if I was an umpire – I would want to be a lot more sharp <laughs> if I knew that every one of my calls was going to get the scrutiny that it gets on replay because I don't want to be embarrassed that I got calls wrong over and over that, again. That first base umpire a couple nights ago was like wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah, yeah I, I do find it amazing considering I know these guys are professional umps. They've gone through many years in the minor leagues to get to this level. How often it does seem like I'm either watching on television or I'm up in the press box and I am pretty clear that I saw the play a different way, and I end up being right, and the umpire ends up right, being but wrong. It's so it's, I think it's <laughs> so unfair in the respect that having been on a field, even for, for high school games and stuff, and making calls, when you're trying to track where the ball is going, get yourself into position, see what's going on, and we have the luxury now, we're watching it in super slow motion from 17 different angles, right. and it's obvious to us. Not so obvious when you're in one position and you're I on agree. the run. No, and trying I agree to get with there. you on that. And so I, I don't blame the umpires all that much. And, and still, when you look at it, there's, what, 97% of the calls that are made right. over the course of the season are, are not challenged and are, are assumed to be correct. So you're saying those other three should just 
I'm, I'm saying what it takes away from the game in terms of having to stop the game, slowing things down. Right. That doesn't, it's not worth it to me. To me, it doesn't affect my enjoyment of the game that much. And frankly, I miss having managers going out and argue calls. I miss seeing the, the manager going out there and having that moment where he needs to fire up his troops. I'd rather watch that than sit there for three and a half minutes watching two umpires with headphones on their heads. See, that's to just, me. That's, that's me. To me, that I, I think the umpires should make the play, but there's a guy monitoring everything in New York all the time. I think that he should just be allowed without the manager you know, that delay of asking the, re the, the, you know, their video team, what do you think, and then going, I think he should just make the call himself. Bill, I think you made a good point that it feels like they've been faster in this right. second half of the season. I'd be curious to hear if Major League Baseball has made any changes to speed things up a little bit uh, because I, that has made it better. And, you know, those three-and-a-half-minute replays oh. are awful, and I totally agree with that part, Bob. Uh, we can talk about this more. If you've got some thoughts on it, send in – you know, your comments with the hashtag, hashtag PadresSH. Want to talk about the pitching uh, when we come back from yesterday's game. Perdomo and the bullpen both doing an outstanding job, including Brad Hand, who's really had a remarkable season considering, you know, where he started and how the Padres acquired him. That's coming up at first. Be at Petco Park from September 19th through the 25th for the 16th annual Shirts Off Their Backs presented by Saquon Golf Resort. Fans can purchase a $1 scratch-off ticket for a chance to win a player-worn Navy digi-camo jersey. Proceeds benefit the Padres Foundation, and we'll be right back with more Padres Social Hour. Stick around. Before every game, get your Padres talk on with us. This is Padres Social Hour. It's an off-day edition of Padres Social Hour. The Padres are in Denver getting ready for a three-game series against the Rockies beginning tomorrow evening. But here on the couch, we've got Bob Scanlon and Bill Center. I'm Ben Higgins. Glad you've joined us on your lunch hour on a Thursday. We are so close to the weekend, guys. Do you think there's somebody fishing right now in Colorado? I would be. I mean, Oh, absolutely. I love right. going to Colorado as a player. You had right. a day off. Up in one of those streams. Yeah, the within oh, yeah. 30 right. You rent a car, and within 30 minutes, you're up in the Rocky Mountains. Right. You're looking at... Uh, you Estes know, Park, or, wherever. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure there's some fellas We went up there. last summer. We did a little uh, light whitewater river rafting. Nice. Just, uh, just off the yeah. 70 yeah. there is that... It goes into the mountains there on the go. west side of town. It's beautiful, beautiful country up there, yep, absolutely. Yep. No San Diego, but uh, Denver is a very nice place. And a good day to spend an off day in September, absolutely. Uh, that's kind of the ideal weather time up there, too. Actually, I like the other corner of the state, Durango. I, that's the part where I, I really? love. Yeah, Durango, okay. Colorado is to me. The I don't think you can go wrong out there. Colorado no. is beautiful all around. Uh, although you can always get caught in one of those afternoon thunder lightning kind that's of the best things. part so it's you gonna happen know. right <laughs> every yeah. hour it changes you got right. snow one hour an hour later it's sunny then the, the thunderstorm comes yeah. in all right uh, let's let's talk a little <laughs> pitching uh, about yesterday's game Luis Perdomo uh, in the bullpen holding the Giants to just four hits in the one run Bill I know you said the Giants have been struggling at the plate lately and that's true but they had you know come off a series in Arizona where they had swept the Diamondbacks and it looked like they had gotten their bats going again, and, and the Padres quieted them right down. So I do want to give the Padres pitching staff at least partial credit for right. what they did in this series. No, and, and again, we saw a more progression from per Perdomo. Oh, yeah. No, I, I loved watching him pitch yesterday. And a couple of things. First of all, you mentioned that the Giants got warm against the Diamondbacks. Well, remember, the Diamondbacks have the worst pitching staff in all of Major right. League Baseball right now, so they should get a little warm against those guys. But it's not to take anything away. And as we're watching Perdomo here on the, on the highlights, 
notice everything is down. He's down, 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 down. He did a great job of establishing the lower part of the strike zone with his sinker is what you need to do because now it forces them to start swinging after that sinker down in the zone. He did such a good job of getting down early, Bill, that even later on when he did make a few mistakes up, he was able to get away with right. them because everyone's so focused on having to look at the You know knees. what I've really liked about when he does get in a little trouble now? He works to get out of it. He doesn't. I mean, we've all seen pitchers yep. cave, yep. and he does not cave. I loved. I I was talking to Darren Balsley last week about Perdomo, and Balsley is his biggest fan, not because of his stuff as much as he wants. Perdomo wants to be good. He's not satisfied just being here. And you, of course, you've seen that too. That there are some guys who once they make the major leagues. They're just – he wants to be as good as he can possibly be, which no. is – Yeah, I agree. Bob, I want to ask you a question. And, Cole, can you uh, re-rack that uh, highlight sequence of Perdomo we just saw? He made Hunter Pence made a really bad swing uh, on what was kind of a hanging pitch right there. Is that because opposing batters are so locked into that sinking, you know, hard, you know, ball that he throws that when he changes it up like that – that they don't know what to do with it anymore? It's a combination of things. First of all, Hunter Pence is the most awkward hitter that you're ever going <laughs> right. to see in a batter's Absolutely. box. So he, he's not afraid to make <laughs> things look goofy. But, but no, to your point, Ben, what, he, what Perdomo does also is when he keeps the sinker down on the outside part of the plate, it sinks more. When he comes to the inside part of, the, of right-handers, oftentimes you'll see it have more of a horizontal plane. And so when he throws as hard as he does with as much action as he does, if you're a hitter, you see a ball coming on the inner half, you have to start thinking, oh, gosh, this is that two-seamer that's going to come boring in on my hands, and you have to start feeling like I've got to – you could see Pence. He actually starts going like this because he thinks it's one of those two-seamers that's going to be running in. Then he realizes, oh, no, it's got a little spin on it. I better try to swing. Right. So he's got the great combination of velocity, which is always nice. Not, not the most important thing, as we right. know, but it's nice to have. He's got great movement. And he's got enough command of it now that guys have to respect and understand, hey, he's got a pretty good idea where the ball's going to go, and guys can't just sit on one pitch. I agree with you on Pence. I think Pence at first thought that's a ball. That yeah, he thought it was a two-seamer right. running and in on him. And all of a sudden, yeah. it's like, I got to swing because that's a strike. Yeah. No, it, I love watching what Perdomo has done. And to your point, Bill, and this is really what came forth about Perdomo early on, a Rule 5 kid that's getting beat up at the beginning. of the Right. Season. I mean, absolutely crushed, right? And yet you never saw him back down. You never saw him go out there and pitch timid or try to back off or pitch scared. He kept going out there, and that was the first thing that we saw was, you know what, this guy's got guts. This guy's got some nads. He keeps going at it. And now he's been able to get the control to go with it. So I, I love watching it. And to your point, the second inning when he got in trouble, that was a one-run inning. Right. And it could have turned into a three- or four-run inning. And he has figured out how to get out of that big inning. Now, granted, it helped that, you know, line drive double play, but he didn't stop making pitches, and I think this kid is learning right. how to work out of the big inning. You know, one thing that really impresses me about Perdomo is that he has told the Padres that during the offseason he is going to study English because he thinks learning English will make him a better ball player in America. To me, that says an awful lot Love about it. the guy. I, yeah. You know, I was just going to ask you, Bill, about Perdomo's offseason, and maybe that's going to be his focus. <laughs> It's very different than what you might have thought in the first half of the season. A Rule 5 guy who was only pitching you know, once a week, you might have sent him to some winter ball, get a few more innings on his arm. Now, having been in the starting rotation all year, you're probably telling him, hey, we want you to rest up and you know, come back fresh for spring training to join the rotation. But what do you think you know, Darren Balsley is going to want him to do during the offseason, both of you, just kind of for a young guy that's still trying to develop like this? Well, I think probably 
first time in his life be on an off-season pitching program not thinking about winter ball and stuff like that. Yeah, it's hard to do, though. Those guys love playing right. winter they ball. They love playing winter ball, so absolutely. You, and what you got to realize is that you, you, you probab- he probably will play at the end a little bit. Right. So you just try to back him off, and you try to make right. him wear, look, right now, rest. Do absolutely nothing for a little while. It, you, you send him off with a few little tidbits. Here's the things that we want you to think about you know, coming into next season. Right. He's going to be on a different routine. This is the other thing that goes on. All rookies go through this, not just pitchers. But you finally get to the big leagues. And your entire schedule has changed because not only have you competed at a different level physically and mentally for an entire summer, but you've done it for a month longer. Wrong, right. Spring training is going to start several weeks earlier, earlier. And guys have to figure out how to prepare themselves for that because for the last five or six years, for you know maybe longer for some of these guys, they've been on a minor league sort of calendar and things change. And right. it takes guys maybe a year or two to figure out what's that perfect balance in the offseason to get ready for spring. A lot of people don't realize that, that, Minor league ball shuts down September, well, Labor Day weekend, and they don't report the spring training until March 1st, 2nd, or 3rd. Yep. And if you're a major leaguer, you're playing through the first week of, you know, generally the first couple days in October, and you're back at it on February 15th. Yep, exactly. All right, let's switch from the starting pitcher to the bullpen. Uh, nice job done. Brad Hand, Ryan Buchter, uh, Brandon Maurer yesterday. But I want to talk about Hand in particular. He went over 100 strikeouts for the season yesterday, and he joined a very exclusive club of Padres relievers. And there's some big names here. Uh, Trevor Hoffman, Heath Bell, Mark Davis, and Lance McCullers, uh, the only Padres relievers ever with over 100 strikeouts in a season. Brad Hand started the year. He was on the Miami Marlins. They waived him. The Padres claimed him. How how does a guy slip through the cracks? I'm sure the Marlins are saying, boy, we could have used this guy on our team this year, and the Padres ended up having a great season from him. Happens with relievers. It, well, what was the key word there, relievers. Right. And when you look back at the Marlins and how they used Brad Hand, he was never a, an exclusive reliever. Right. Every single year he had starts and appearances out of the bullpen. And back I think and forth. for the first time the Padres just said, you know what, don't even think about the, the rotation, don't worry about it, you're going to work out of the bullpen for us. And I think that that proved to be something beneficial for him, both psychologically and physically, because you prepare yourself differently, knowing that, hey, this is my job, this is my role, and I'm going to be the best I can be at it. So kudos to him for grabbing it by the horns and, and going with it. One thing Bre- Han talked about during the season is that when he was with the Miami, not only did his roles change, but he might get up two and three times a game. And, and like you know with Ballsley, he doesn't like that. If I get a guy up, I want to use him, or I sit him down and go to somebody else. Great point. And it's, it's a twofold issue with that. First of all, it depends on who your manager is. Right who your pitching coach is, and also what your job is. So if you are a long man, sometimes you will be up two or three times a game because you're up in the second when the guy struggles, the fourth when he struggles, now in the seventh when it's a blowout game and I don't want to use the back end of my pen, you're up again. Right. He's known what his role is. It's very defined. And both Andy Green and, and uh, Darren Balsley know what they're doing in terms of preserving guys. All right, there's been at least a little talk about maybe trying Brad Hand as a starter next year. I'm guessing I know what you guys think, but we can uh, talk about that after the break. Also, I want to talk about the El Paso Chihuahuas, who are now one win away from their first-ever Pacific Coast League championship. We'll get to that. First, though, don't miss Padres Hispanic Heritage Weekend, September 23rd through the 25th when the Padres face the Giants. The weekend is packed with celebrations. Purchase a special theme game ticket package and receive a Hispanic Heritage-themed Padres hat. Sweet hat. Info and tickets. Sweet hat at Padres.com slash K. Padre. Muy linda. Que padre. And we'll be right back with more Padre Social Hour. Que padre, guys.
You want to talk Padres? Lucky for you, we're doing exactly that. This is Padres Social Hour from the AMR studio inside Petco Park. We've got, we've got topics for you to weigh in on at the hashtag Padres SH, including Brad Hand, do you want to see him get a shot in the starting rotation next year? I'll wrap up our discussion from before the break. Bob Scanlon, yes or no, Brad Hand, should he get a shot to start next season? Yes, you're desperate. You have no other starters that are really? established. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Bill. I mean, I, uh, I need starters. I'd let, I'd let anybody who looks like they might be get a shot yeah. and then and then sort of I mean you got plenty you got six weeks in spring training to sort you, this you out. You can always back them off. Right. Just, like what they did with Maurer. I was just so impressed with both of you saying how Brad Hand has finally flourished because he's been put in a bullpen role. They're not, you know, yanking him in and out of a starting rotation. Yeah. I was saying right. I thought you were gonna say be be a bullpen guy. You've been successful at that. Why change him now? Are you going for a championship next year? Right. I mean No. No, you need a starting pitching. Right. So you can always back him off. I'm saying what they did Exactly. At the beginning of the season, they established him as a reliever. I don't like the idea of flip-flopping guys no, in the course of during a the course of a season. Right. Plus, Just like Brandon Maurer this year. You gave him a chance to be a starter in spring training. Yep. That didn't work out. You put him in a bullpen the entire year. That's worked out. But he struggled kind of in the first half of right. the season he as did. he was transitioning back to right. being a bullpen guy. Right. And, again, if, if this is a championship season and I need a lefty in my pen to shore things up, I'm not messing with now, it. Now, right. that being said, the Padres could be getting Carter Capps back next season, who they got in the trade with the Marlins for the bullpen, right. and could give him a pretty formidable back end. If he's healthy with Bookter back and Maurer, if they pitch as well as we've seen this season, uh, that could be a very strong back half of the bullpen so it might free up Brad Hand for a different role. You know, I love Carter Caps, but I'm I, I still kind of think sometime they're gonna say, wait, that's not legal. Well, they can't change it now. No. They've, they've let they've, him do they've it. They've gone over right. it so many <laughs> right. times. Right. But you, you never know. I mean it, You never know what they're gonna do. Like yeah. the putter rule in golf. All yeah. of a sudden you can't do the right. belly putter. Right. Hey he's effective. He's going hopefully he's healthy and he comes right. back and does what you need him to do. I mean I still need you know, I need relievers, I need starters, but right. we have no other options at starting rotation right now, so I'm going to give them a look. Right. I don't think they're going to go out and sign any free agents. I don't get that impression, Bill. No. Uh, <laughs> you're right. So, yeah. So I mean, I, they, I they will, but it's again, this right. is you're building up for two or three years. You're, you're bringing up your core guys. I mean, there's a plan, right. and part of the plan is not, uh, you know, let's go out and spend a bunch of money on free agent pitching for next season. Do you hurry a lock at all? along for next year? I mean, Walker Lockett, who really pitched well at the end of the season for AAA, or do you, like, set him for one year at AAA so he gets uh, – Oh, for me, he doesn't need to spend a whole year at AAA. Good. No, yeah. Right. I, I, I Maybe start him off there because I think you, you still want him to improve over a period of time. Now, what's going on right now I think is great experience, this whole playoff thing that's going right. on right now. This oh. is awesome. So his whole guy timeline might get moved up, but um, – he doesn't need to spend a full season in AAA for me at this All point. All right, I, w I want to talk about uh, the uh, September S's, Solarte, Schimpf, and uh, Sardinius in a second. But since you brought up AAA and we were going to uh, bring up the El Paso playoff run, let's get into that because uh, the El Paso Chihuahuas won again last night, Yeehaw. beating the Oklahoma City Dodgers. you got a lot of Padres over the Dodgers Absolutely. on any right. level. Right. Very yeah. satisfying right. yeah. Wherever. as a fan. So you beat the Giants in the afternoon, <laughs> the Dodgers at night. Great day. <laughs> Just a great day all around. Yes. Uh, they're now one win away. Best of five series. They're up 2 nothing. Last three games in Oklahoma City. So kind of like that Padres-Cubs-1984 thing. You can't be completely confident. But they're looking good for a PCL championship. If they win... That PCL championship. Now, Bill, they have oh, it's a, just a one-game one series. One-game series next Tuesday. Against the International League right, champion. Right, one game. It's, it's not, not a series, series right. It's one game next Tuesday in Memphis against the International League 
champion. It's called the AAA Championship. But game. we've already waited so long to bring up guys like Hunter Renfro and uh, Swahe, and you know they're all waiting down there for their shot. Uh, is it fair to make him possibly wait another five days uh, to come up if they're still playing? That's a very, especially if they win on, if say they win the uh, PCL title Friday night, that you you let them sit down there for four more days. Uh, a lot of teams over time in this AAA championship series have pulled their players, have pulled the guys they want up away from the AAA championship. For game. me, once I've made that decision as an organization that my guys are staying there for the playoffs, they're staying there for the entire playoffs. I don't think it's fair to the fans. I don't think it's fair to the other teammates on those teams right. or the organization that you have an affiliation with El to, Paso. to start pulling players right. out at this I point. I agree. Uh, you saw there Austin Hedges, a couple of home runs last night. Uh, he's back on fire again. He's had a terrific season. And, you know, this has worked out for him, keeping him down in AAA, because today is the day that now the Padres can bring him up and still retain another year of his rights through, I believe it's 2022 right. instead of 2021 because of accrued Major League service time. So uh, you were able to keep him down and keep him active in these playoffs long enough to be able to do that. But there's you know, another element. It's not just the fairness, just so you know. No, I'm not just trying to be fair to everybody. I, right. Part of it also is the development of it's important for guys to learn how to win. It's right. important for guys no. to be in these championship games. And I think this is invaluable experience that you can't duplicate in any other situation other than, hey, guys, we're coming to the ballpark today, and it's a playoff game. And we want to win. How do you, we want to win. How do you mentally and physically prepare yourself for it? So this Again, is, this is good. I go back to the my favorite story, Sterling Hitchcock. Going to uh, going to Lake Elsinore in a rehab when they're in the when they're in the the Cal League Championship run and a young guy coming up to Sterling and saying, you know, Mr. Hitchcock, we're trying to win this thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it makes a difference. And I can just speak from my own personal experiences. The very first time as a young minor league player that I went to the postseason, I I, I remember being nervous about it, you know, and really right. and and trying to do too much at times. By the second time, not as much. By the third and fourth time that I'd done it, either through minor leagues or winter ball or whatever it may be, it was like, hey, look, I've been here, done this. What do I need to do? I need to do the same thing that I've done for over the last 162 games. You know, focus on my mid. mid it, it just, you have a different calmness about you. So I think there is something to be said for playoff experience at any level. You know, you look at this El Paso team right now, and it's really a good ball club. I mean, remember that Dickerson... Sanchez, Hector Sanchez, and Schimpf were very much a part of that lineup. True. Yeah. Of you know in in June, I mean they had that was they had the best record in the PCL at that time. Uh, they were they were hitting like three twenty eight as a yeah. team. Oh, Amazing. You, look, you lose guys, but you right. know at this time of the year, all the teams have stockpiled their right. playoff bound teams also, right? right. So anybody on a, uh, yeah, if, the, if it's a double A team, anybody can bring that back down from trips, and anybody that you can call up, call up from your high A team, they're all filling up your double A roster. And the Padres did a great job of advancing right at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. A start, a couple starting pitchers, and Walker Lockett yeah. and Denilson LeMay yep. from San Antonio. Well, all to El Paso, and also Phil Maton and another couple. Uh, McGrath, Kyle McGrath. So they, they sent, they bolstered them with four pitchers at the end of the season. Ulti ultimately, trophy. they're in AAA now, but do you, I don't see a scenario where Austin Hedges, if he's healthy, he'll be the starting catcher for the Padres next season, right? Oh, I would have. Right? I'm thinking yes. It doesn't yes. matter that he's in AAA I'm going right to go now. out and say I'm thinking yes. I'm, I'm thinking yes. Come on. And then Hunter Renfro, maybe not guaranteed a starting spot, but as close as you could imagine no, to being up and being starting next year for the Padres. Those too. guys would have to play themselves out of a right. job right. in spring training. So they're right. not missing anything necessarily by not being here now 
they're going to get their opportunity. They should know that they, a spot is waiting for them. Margot's 21. You might just start him in AAA next year. I mean, Yeah, you don't need to start his co- time clock any sooner than it right. is. But as far as those guys, I mean, nothing significant was going to happen for like a, a Renfro or a Hedges being called up in September, what they might have done right. in the last few weeks of a big league. In how, in terms of how they're projected to be a part of the club because on the opening day roster next year, it does. It's next spring is yeah. their right. That's their time. Hey, win a championship, bring home a trophy, boys. Right. All right, guys. The uh, 2017 Major League Baseball schedule came out yesterday, and there's something really big missing. It was mentioned yesterday, but have not had a chance for you guys to sound off. No Seattle Mariners games Happy. this year. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in just a moment. First, though, the 2017 World Baseball Classic is coming back to Petco Park March 14th through the 18th. Don't miss your chance to see the world's best baseball players compete. Visit worldbaseballclassic.com for more information today. Vetter Cup discussion coming up next on Padres Social Hour. From analysis of what's happening on the field with your Padres to insights on everything MLB, we've got it right here. This is Padres Social Hour. All right, the hashtag is PadresSH if you want to use it. And if there's one topic that I know can always fire up Padres Twitter, it is the Vetter Cup. And the Vetter Putt Cup is going away, guys. Welcome back it's, to Padres Social Hour. It <laughs> does not exist. It never was, never will be. Goodbye, Seattle. All right, if there's anyone out there, and <laughs> judging by our audience, I'm guessing there's not, but anyone's out there that doesn't know what the Vetter Cup is, it's the mythical series, you know, championship every year between the natural rivals that baseball mandated <laughs> so long ago when they created interleague play between the Padres and the Mariners, which was absolutely silly. Padres and Mariners shouldn't have been natural rivals, and I think Major League Baseball feels like maybe they're correcting a wrong from many years ago by eliminating that, and the Padres will actually face the Rangers next year as their NL West opponent. You guys are both nodding like, good, good, happy, you're happy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, don't want it. Yeah, it was so artificial in the first place to create this natural rival. There's nothing natural about that rivalry. We see enough of the Mariners in spring training. There, there's no reason to continue to play that team over and over again. Okay, I'm going to put you guys on the Cholula hot seat because I think you're both wrong, and I'm going to try to. Then you should get you. over here because you're absolutely. I'm going to try to convince you otherwise. I think initially your arguments were correct. It was silly. You're trying to force a rivalry between the Padres and the Mariners based on what? They're both Pacific Coast cities. They share a spring training. They complex. were leftover teams. They That's were leftover why. teams. <laughs> Right. I love that Padres and Mariners fans, tongue-in-cheek, embraced it over the years. They made something out of it because of how silly it was, and they actually got behind it. They put some energy and effort into trying to make those games matter, and I applaud what they did, even if it was kind of always, are you in on the joke? It's the Vetter Cup, Eddie Vetter, the Seattle music star who went okay. to San Diego High School, yeah. so they came so up with the name. I think, I think Padres fans should be commended for having created and trying to make this rivalry a little bit important. So now just to take it away after 17 years or whatever it's been, I don't know that that's right. Ben, I think I they should have kept it going. there were so few people in on that that really gave a dang about the Vetter Cup. I think you're in a very small minority, <laughs> off in a corner, just the people I follow off in the corner of the press box and <laughs> with all those, those goofballs over there saying, oh, let's talk about the Vetter Cup. See, now, now you kind of changed up a little bit. I thought you were going to try to argue with that the, 
the rivalry was actually a good thing with the Mariners, but you're just saying the Vetter Cup in general. Yeah. That, that's the only thing you're focusing I, well, on. And no, I, I, I commend I, – I'll give a little bit of credit to try and make the best – you know, make uh, lemonade out of lemons, no, right? Okay? No, I'm not but giving them any credit. that being credit. said, the whole thing with the Vetter Cup also – is completely artificial because you're talking about a guy that spent a small portion of his life in San Diego, a small portion of his life in Seattle, I and really has no connection to either was. city. Right. And guess what? When it comes to baseball, he's a Cubs fan. It's true. The and guy it, throws the first pitch out of Wrigley Field all the time. It's not part of it. The name is just as silly as the rival. The name of the trophy is just as silly as the force rivalry There is was. no trophy. But, you know, all rivalries in baseball were at one point didn't exist, and they developed. And now – Baseball has given the Padres and the Mariners. natural, organic reasons. There's nothing natural or organic about the rivalry. There's nothing natural or organic. I mean, I'm glad people had some fun creating this thing. A small, very small group of people had fun. Which is fine if that's what it takes. I'm good for them. All right, but I've got a The guy's a Cubs fan. I don't don't just come in with complaints. I come in with solutions. (laughs) Oh, no. This is is even going to be worse than the better. Here is what I'm proposing. And uh, you're not really going to change anything because the Padres and the Mariners always end spring training, usually with a couple of games because they share the complex. It's easy. No one has to travel. Let's make the last three days of spring training in Peoria every year a regular best of three series between the Padres and the Mariners, and we can still have a Vetter Cup. Usually those are the games where you're stretching out your starting pitchers the longest, (laughs) getting close to the season. Hey, it's an exhibition series, but let's have a little fun with it. Let's have have a little pregame ceremony. We'll present a trophy on the field after the game. The the problem with that, there's still this underlying presupposition that anybody really cares. That would draw, by the way. (laughs) Nobody does. So instead of having the Giants in there Friday night before you break camp, you would have – Camp on a Thursday. Okay. We're talking about Tuesday, okay. Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, games. so you would have, so you would uh, like have crowds of two hundred for those three games. You'll have, you'll have great See, buzz from the bloggers on Twitter. Positive PR going out there. Outside of that little corner of the press box where you sit in over there, nobody talks about you the You know the best part, Bill? We can have Eddie Vetter actually come out and throw the first pitch for those games wearing his Cubs hat. Why yeah, are you well, disparaging where I sit <laughs> in the press box, by the way? I'm right along the first baseline. It's, right. a, gra- it's a great spot to and be And that's the where that Vetter Cup started down hey, there. I, I will say it's this, though. The one thing I will miss about that series, I love that, that stadium up in Seattle. Oh, that it is, is true. It is my favorite Safeco is really great. stadium yes. in all of pro right. sports. Love but, it. So I'm going to miss seeing that. Yeah, Safeco is really yeah. a great place. Town, so had a great time in Seattle. Right. Okay. I but guess I, I think there's a better natural rivalry with the Rangers. How? Preller. <laughs> the, the Preller, Preller Cup. Cup. The Preller Cup. The Preller like Cup is. is starting next season. I can get behind that. All right. Uh, you, well guys done, win. you guys win today. You're off the Cholula hot seat. Uh, Cholula, uncap, real flavor with Cholula hot sauce. The hot sauce with the iconic wooden cap and the official Hot sauce of the San Diego Padres. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the scintillating S's of Padres baseball in September uh, when we come back. More Padres Social Hour after this. We're talking Padres all season long. This is Padres Social Hour, coming to you from the AMR studio inside the team store. All right, welcome back to Padres Social Hour. Off day for the San Diego Padres. They'll open a three-game series against the Colorado Rockies. Uh, just wrapping it up because they got a tweet in I here. I knew a tweet would come rolling in. East as soon as Village we talked Times. About yeah, yeah, here we go. I what do we got? I need some support. Stir uh, it up. They tweet yeah. in, Padres Social Hour. The Vetter Cup was ridiculous. Thank God it's gone. We don't yes. need to make up rivals. Thank yes. you. Yes. Thank you very much. 
Goodbye. Right. That, that yes. might be tweet of the week right, right. Week right there. Yep. You guys win. I, I tell you, you win. <laughs> All right. Uh, Facebook's buzzing about the play of uh, Jan Hervis Solarte of one right now, who's uh, a nine-game hitting streak. Right. Uh, uh, eight. Eight. Eight-game eight hitting streak. He's been tearing uh, it up for about Sardinius uh, has a hitting streak going as well right here in the Western Metal Supply Company. And then Schimpf, of course, uh, continues to power. We get the S's, the September S's for the San Diego Padres. Uh, this is kind of fun, you know. It's the, not the killer bees of the Astros of the 1990s, but I like your scintillating S's for the Padres. The, the swinging, the swinging S's. Oh, the swinging Biggest S's. surprise out of those S's for you, Bill? Uh, well, Schimpf has got to be a surprise. I am still not totally sold moving forward that he's the answer. I mean, I'd love to think that that's the answer. I'd love to, th but I see how. Pitchers are beginning to work him at times, and I'm beginning to think there might be a little hole in his that can be exploited. Oh, there's definitely, when you've got a career 230 or 240 batting right. average in the minor I mean, there's holes to be exploited. And right. So the question becomes, and I know the home run is exciting, and it, it, you know, we Absolutely. all love seeing the home run, but there's so many other opportunities for guys to score. When you hit as low as he does on an average standpoint, that's run production that's not getting taken care of. Except and that and I've if always he didn't walk, right. then no, it would really be a problem. Sian, are you an advocate that the on-base percentage is more important than the batting average? Are you in that camp? Is it more important? It's absolutely more important. More important, really. So you think than it's batting more, average. You think it's more yes. important that a guy get a walk than he actually get OPS a, than driving a run? OPS is, is much more important. I didn't important. ask about OPS. Okay. I asked well, well, about yeah, on-base percentage. That's half of on-base on percentage. I'm asking you about on-base percentage. Yeah, it's more important than a batting really? average. Really? You think it's more important Would you rather have a guy who hit 300 with a 320 on-base percentage or a guy who hit 250 with a 400 on-base percentage? I want a guy that with a runner on second base can drive the drive run him in. in. You weren't, you're trying right. to drive in runs, Ryan right? Ryan Schimpf drives All right, in so runs. All right, so if I get with, with, with a home <laughs> run, but the rest of the time he's leaving guys on base. I, I'm, I'm just saying I, I get, I get your point, but you've got, you've got to have a mix of different guys on the team. You can't have them all hit 220 with, you no, know. nobody's with, saying that you don't need but a mix. You I'm just there's saying a place on a team for a power hitting 220 hitter. A lot of power guys have holes in their swing and, and low averages, but if they're hitting home runs, then there's a place for them on the roster. I love the home run. All I'm just saying is, is right. to your point, Bill, there are holes in the swing. How much do those get exposed over time? And does the 18, 20 home runs now turn into 10, and you still have a low batting average, and you have, at best, an average defender? I, I, I just don't know how the whole package plays that out over time. Scans, that is my concern to the, to the inch. I mean... Uh, there are holes. I don't know if he's going to duplicate this. I mean, if he duplicates his power numbers next year, then there's a spot for him. But if he doesn't... Hold that thought. We'll wrap up this discussion next on Padres Social Hour. We will be right back. Get ready for every Padres game with us. Coming to you from inside the team store at Petco Park, this is Padres Social Hour. This is what I love. We have not stopped talking about Ryan Schimpf. Since I thought we were the, talking Vetter Cup to Since we went right. into the break, and then we're back <laughs> from the break, and we're still talking about it because I think there's a legitimate question here about his value going forward. And I mean, if he can keep hitting at this extra base pace, which is a big if, there's always a spot for a guy like that. But if that dips a little bit, I think you're both right. The defensive liability and the low batting average all of a sudden becomes a big glaring problem. You could have one guy in, a, in the right lineup. You could have a guy like that, a Mark Reynolds, Dave Kingman, Ryan Schimpf in that spot. All right, uh, gentlemen, it's an off day. Enjoy the rest of the day off if you happen to be off. Uh, Annie's going to be in the host chair tomorrow. Randy Jones, Bob, you're back. 
So, Sam? Yeah, you are back. Awesome. At least according to this piece of paper. Uh, <laughs> You know, Blooper won't be here yet. He's still at the Buffalo Bills game or something. <laughs> but thanks, guys. Had a lot of fun. This has been Padres Social Hour. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday.